0: Hello and welcome to MGMA Small Talk Podcast. I'm Chris Harrop, Senior Editorial Manager at MGMA and your host for this episode. Frequent listeners will note the new music and, of course, the new voice, yours truly, as we head into a new direction with this podcast. I'd like to thank Shannon Geis, your host, for the first 27 episodes of MGMA Small Talk. In addition to writing and contributing numerous articles to MGMA, Shannon launched this podcast from the ground up in September 2016. And those of us here at MGMA wish her the best of luck as she heads on to new opportunities. As for you, dear listener, what MGMA Small Talk is all about, discussing issues facing practice administrators across the healthcare world, that won't change. So let's get right to it. On this episode, I will be taking you on a sonic sampling of the recently completed MGMA 2017 Annual Conference from Anaheim, California. This year's event held October 8th through 11th at Anaheim Convention Center, was unlike any MGMA conference most of us here at MGMA headquarters can remember. Part of that had to do with the massive windows on the eastern end of the convention center and what so many of us saw on Monday, October 9th, as a series of sessions were letting out just before lunch. Thick, orangish gray smoke obscuring the sky, the product of a wildfire sparked in Anaheim Hills near the 91 Freeway and Gypsum Canyon Road. The fire burned more than 9,200 acres, destroyed 25 homes, damaged another 55 structures. It should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway, that MGMA is thinking of all of those recently affected by the wildfires in California that have uprooted so many lives and businesses. Numerous MGMA members and their practices, including our own 2017 MGMA Harwick Innovation Award winner, Dr. Peter Valenzuela, the chief medical officer of Sutter Medical Group of the Redwoods, have seen their communities violently disrupted. The article page for this episode includes information on fundraising efforts, including GoFundMe and the American Red Cross if you would like to help the relief efforts. So, aside from natural disaster, how was MGMA-17, you ask? As promised, we have collected a handful of moments from annual conference to give you a sense of being there. By the way, session recordings from MGMA-17 will be available on demand later in November, so be sure to visit MGMA.org this month for that. On Sunday, October 8th, MGMA President and CEO Dr. Haley Fisher-Wright helped open the annual conference by talking about what it means to be a leader in healthcare today.
1: We are all being called to be skilled, relevant, and informed. And it's MGMA's job to empower you to meet that challenge.
0: Personally, I spent quite a bit of time in sessions led by Tracy Spears, the founder of Exceptional Leaders Lab based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In addition to a pre-conference session on hitting the metaphorical reset button on a medical practices culture, which you can read more about in my article in the November issue of Executive View Online at mgma.org, by the way, Tracy Spears remarked on the tremendous effects of building teams with highly engaged employees during her session, The Threads That Connect Exceptional Teams.
2: And let me tell you, if you've ever been in an organization that you have a bunch of highly engaged people, it's an amazing experience that everybody is pulling together for the greater good. Rita Hines, she taught me that. She taught me the idea that when you can get everybody highly engaged and thinking more about everybody else than thinking about themselves, wow, some amazing things can happen. So the one line, by the way, that Maslow, uh, if you were to break all of that down, is that when you start to think about where it breaks apart, that our behavior is usually determined by our unmet needs. That's what Maslow was saying. He was saying that you know if your behavior is determined by your unmet needs at the point that you don't feel uh, secure or that you don't belong or you don't feel important, that that's where you'll start to experience people. So we have a lot of reason as coaches to try to get people up to that self-actualized
0: part. Beyond the work that practice leaders can do to build up their teams through leadership, I want to share more from Dr. Fisher-Wright, who talked about the state of the healthcare industry during her session, Back to Balance, Healers, Merchants, and Thieves.
1: The highest and best expression of the practice of medicine is art, science, and business in balance. We should be, at this point in time, at the pinnacle of exuberance and pride and joy on where we are as human beings in our medical care. And yet, if you ask anyone in this room right now, how they're feeling, if you're a provider, if you've been here for a while, if you're a person seeking medical care, most people will tell you that they're miserable. And why? Because we've fallen out of balance, simply put the business and science of medicine have just run over the art of medicine. And it's not what we want, and it's not sustainable. But here's the good news. I know how to fix it. We need to get back to balance. If you strip out the art of medicine, you can't get to the goals of productivity and efficiency. And therein lies the most perverse irony that healthcare has to achieve the goals of the business of medicine. You must have the art of medicine present. We know that it's a proven fact that a strong physician patient relationship built on trust and communication leads to better outcomes, better quality, better satisfaction, And here's the return on investment at all delivered at lower cost translation. It is in our own societal best interest to bring the art back into medicine so we can make sure that people are monitoring their blood pressure, taking care of their diabetes and taking their heart pills.
0: Dr. Haley discusses these topics at length in her new book, Back to Balance the Art, Science and Business of Medicine. MGMA readers can read more from Dr. Haley about why she wrote the new book and some key questions she thinks healthcare leaders should ask in her Coach's Corner column that appeared in the September issue of MGMA Connection Magazine. Check the article for the link. One of my favorite sessions that I had the chance to catch up on in recent weeks was Predictive Analytics 101, an introduction to the future of healthcare, led by Frank Cohen, who's the Director of Analytics for Doctors Management LLC in Clearwater, Florida. Frank, who joined us on the Small Talk podcast back in July, went in depth about practice leaders' need for not just analytics, but the kinds of analytics that help change the way we look at medical practices.
3: We are moving and have been for some years now using predictive modeling to go away from the clinical side and to use it in an advantageous way for us in management and administration and finance and other areas of healthcare. In fact, We want to be able to, for example, how many of you, if you wanted to, could estimate how many patients next week will be no-shows? You could probably do that by looking at historical data. But what we want to be able to do is predict which patient is most likely not to show up. So that we can head that off at the pass, contact that patient, and be able to identify that in the front end. How many of you would like to be able to predict the probability that a given employee or staff member might become a whistleblower? or might quit their job in the next 30 days or 60 days. Or to be able to predict the likelihood that a patient is going to sue a physician for malpractice. And those are the things that that we want to be able to do using predictive analytics. We want to go beyond this idea of uh, clinical research and clinical work. So in our analytics approach, the way we do this is we start by looking at this idea of descriptive statistics. What happened? What do things look like right now? And we go into causal analysis. We want to find out why these things happened. And then we want to be able to predict what might come next. And so predictive analytics most of the time relies upon existing or prior databases and allows us to move forward to identify what we think might happen at some given time. And then there's this new field called, or a new name for it, it's called prescriptive analytics. And that's where we take these predictions and we make them into actionable um, variables. We find something that we can do with them in order to make them workable or usable within our given environment. Uh, risky or not risky based on some threshold that's applied as part of the algorithm. But it goes beyond that. We're doing research now because what I'd like to be able to do is say, you know, Gary, uh, that your physician Smith Uh, has a high risk of audit because of this procedure 20650, what I want to be able to do is go through all 500 claims for that doctor where that 20650 appeared and be able to tell you which of the claims out of those 500 are most likely to have been paid in error. What does it mean when they say there's a 40% chance of rain? What does that mean? Well, it means there's a 100% chance of rain in 40% of the area that they're talking about. Or there's a 40% chance of rain somewhere within 100% of the area that they're talking about. Or we just interpret it to mean, eh, it's a 40% chance of rain. You can plan the picnic, but you can't plan the weather, right? But are weathermen ever wrong? They're not. Because if I tell you that there's a 40% chance that it's going to rain today and it rains then you're going to go, wow, that's pretty amazing because there was only a 40% chance, but he was right. And if I tell you there's a 40% chance of rain and it doesn't rain, you could say, well, it was only a 40% chance of rain. He didn't say it was going to rain. He said there was some probability. Also, predictive analytics doesn't work in every issue or problem right now. There's a lot of highly complex systems. For example, trying to predict whether an EHR will be successful in the organization likely won't work because it, there's a complexity to it of the inner relationship of all the different players involved where it's almost impossible sometimes to iterate those types of differences. And the question that really comes up is, how accurate do I have to be? How accurate does my prediction have to be? When I say, Gary, I'm predicting that there's a likelihood that if there's, if you get audited, they're gonna look at these modifiers and these procedures and these physicians. How accurate do I need to be? And the truth is better than chance. That's it. I just have to be better than the flip of a coin. And if I am, then those predictive models work.
0: And it just would not be an MGMA conference without a lot of people asking questions about the state of legislative and regulatory change in the healthcare industry. Thankfully, MGMA's own Senior Vice President of Government Affairs, Anders Gilberg, was on hand to moderate a discussion with Dr. Kate Goodrich, Director and Chief Medical Officer for the Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services, a.k.a. CMS, who answered questions from attendees about Medicare's Merit-Based Incentive Payment Program, otherwise known to UNI as MIPS, and the future of the Quality Payment Program
4: sort of the bedrock for the quality payment program has got to be around providing high quality, patient-centered care and ultimately improving beneficiary outcomes. In order to do this, clinicians need useful feedback on how they are performing so that they can continuously improve to again uh, improve the quality of care that's delivered. We definitely have a ways to go on the useful feedback portion of of this uh, bedrock. We know that. Uh, But at the end of the day, this is what we're trying to achieve. And when we laid out the quality payment program and our regulations last year, at CMS, the first thing that we did was we started meeting with a variety of different stakeholders, the clinician community, the patient community, vendors, many others, uh, to think about what our strategic objectives really should be. And so we came up with seven strategic objectives. And obviously at the top is always going to be improving patient outcomes. And reducing burden on clinicians was obviously a significant theme that we heard. It's one that you all feel um, as uh, as managers of, of group practices and clinician practices. Um, so that really became an overarching strategic objective. Um, understanding, again, a ways to go in order to really get to a better state there.
0: Speaking of government affairs, one of the revealing things about annual conference was the polling done by the team behind MGMA stat, a real time text-based polling initiative here at MGMA leading up to Anders's general session on October 11th. Stat users were asked their level of confidence in Congress to fix United States healthcare system of almost 1500 applicable responses, a whopping 89% that's, 89% 89% rated their confidence as low, 10% replied moderate, and only 1% said they had a high confidence in Congress regarding health care. MGMA members can read more about the future of health care policy and where the industry is headed in our State of Medical Practice issue of MGMA Connection Magazine, which comes out January 1st. And if you're not already signed up for MGMA Stat, visit mgma.org stat for more information. Or simply text MGMA STAT, that's MGMA STAT, to 33550. You can also find articles about recent MGMA STAT results on MGMA Connection Plus. Find that at MGMA.org slash Connection Plus. In conclusion, thank you for listening to MGMA Small Talk. You can find past episodes at MGMA.org slash podcasts, or we'd love to hear from you about topics for future episodes. Email us at connection at mgma.org. If you'd like regular email updates on MGMA member content, please consider signing up for the MGMA newsletter. Log into your profile at mgma.org, select email preferences, and make sure MGMA newsletter is selected under the member publications heading. Until next time, I'm Chris Harrop, signing off.